0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Under the Lights. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode. We've had our sort of own summer break in between what has been a, a weird few months for football, but we're back and we're ready and looking forward to the new season. My name is Tom Murray.
1: My is Carl Wilson, and this is Under the Lights. Return! 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 So the 1920 season is finally over. We've uh, we've had the European competitions have, have come to an end. by Munich winning the uh, the big one and the Champions League, the Europa League for Sevilla seems seemed uh, like a, a long time ago that this season started, and uh, and it did seem for a while like we might not get uh, a means to an end for everything, but um, the powers that be managed to do it. And we're finally at the point now where uh, all the trophies, all the medals, all the relegations, all the promotions have been decided. Um, and now suddenly we're only a couple of weeks from it all starting again. Uh, the England squad was announced today and that will be on on the 5th so uh, I was saying just today that it's quite good because we really we're only going to get a period of about two weeks where uh where there isn't actually any football
0: yeah apart from the actual the squad being announced today looking at the dates that the games are going to be played I didn't realize that the games are actually so soon I didn't think they'd actually be before the season starting and we've also got the EFL Cup is actually starting this weekend they've swapped some of the fixtures to be one weekend one weekend the other so that it's, al- it's almost maybe one week one weekend without football I'm really looking forward to the new season there's, uh, as Saints fans, there's a lot to be excited about. But this is going to be an episode more focused on the Premier League. As much as everyone wants to get the 1920 season out of the way and start looking ahead to a new season, we wanted to have a quick look back at some of the predictions we made for last season because we've we made a few howlers, Callum, and I think it would only be right to um, to let the uh, let our listeners know just how wrong we got it. I mean, we got some right, but um, there are some fantastic ones in there.
1: Yeah. yeah, now that the dust has finally settled on the entirety of the season, we can uh, we can have a look back and see if uh, those that we've predicted to do well, those that were predicted maybe not to do so well, if any of those came in. It's always easy to look back at the, at the beginning of the season and think, what on earth were we thinking? But it's been uh, 12 months, well, more than 12 months since... Um,
2: since the Premier League season started uh, last year and, uh, and back then, certain things that we were saying, and we weren't the only ones, seemed like pretty good predictions at the time. Turns out that they weren't and we're going to go through some of those, but we, we also, we'll also we'll give
1: a nod to each other and give, give each other a little pat on the back on the things that that maybe we did call, that may not have been so expected. I'll start off with one then, Tom, for yourself. And let's let's start Saints-related. Uh, and, and the transfer window was, was coming to a close. And you thought that we'd done some pretty good
0: business uh, in getting ourselves some guaranteed goals up front. With a bit of Saints bias, I think Jay Adams is going to have an inc- a really good season. I think he's going to score quite a lot. And I think he's going to be quite a sought after striker in a couple of years' time.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, explain. To be fair, I'm. Um, I think a lot of Saints fans are quite positive about the way that Shea Adams was going to start his life. No one could have predicted, especially after preseason banging in the goals within you know mi- minutes of the game starting, that it would take him until June to notch his first league goal. I think I'm not going to be the only person with egg on my face for that one. However, I did say at the end. He's going to be a sought-after striker in a couple of years' time. He ended the season in good form. Does well this season. I could be right.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with the the
1: latter part. I don't think you can completely save face with that with that vague prediction at the end that he might be sought
2: after. I mean, he was sought after in in January by Leeds, and um, and I think Ralph Haswell made the uh, the correct decision to pull the plug
1: on that on, on a big deal.
0: Well, let's let's just listen to this one for
1: you. I think St. Mary's could be a fortress next season
0: for the- So, um, yeah, Tom about that one. Yeah, so um wasn't quite the
1: fortress uh, that I was hoping for. Home form only worsened by by uh by Norwich. Um I'd I'd say Che Adams with uh, no goals until until June uh didn't really help that situation Tom. But uh no, I think away from home it was, it was the complete opposite, really. Southampton, who, who never really have been known for uh, for their away form, uh, completely turned the season around. Uh, and, and purely based on that, really, they, um, they had the third best away record of the entire league, only bettered by Man City and obviously Liverpool, the champions, the top two. So away from home, fantastic. At home, at the beginning of the season, it was the first season for Ralph. He'd started to turn things around. We we looked like we were pretty exciting prospects with the with the players that we had, and and, and we all thought he was going to go in and start playing this uh, attacking formation. And he didn't. He went three at the back. They got absolutely hammered by Leicester. They could barely register a win, even when the form started to turn around. But we did draw with Man United. We did beat Tottenham. And we did beat Man City. So there were some scalps at St Mary's, uh, despite our, our poor form. And there was a real important period uh, early in the season, about November time, where we played, uh, we were in the bottom three with Watford and Norwich, and we played both of them in the space of four days and, and managed to get six points. So not consistently the fortress that it should have been. However, I'm putting my neck on the line and backing us to. to improve vastly on that next season let's let's move away let's move away from uh, st mary's then and um i want to give you a, a bit of credit whilst also ripping into you completely on a prediction that couldn't have been more wrong your your prediction was that the teams between 16th and 19th would be quite interchangeable so let's just listen into this one and I'll, I'll go into some more detail. And I think Brighton will be actually cut adrift. I really don't think they're going to do well this season. So um, let's start with positive then. Uh, you, your prediction um, in that podcast was that we would see some interchangeable teams in and around the relegation pretty much till the end. We saw that uh, between 16th and 19th, you thought would be fluctuating in and out of the relegation zone. And then there would be one team in twentieth that was cut adrift quite early on, which actually is completely spot on. Problem is, Norwich were the team that got cut adrift, and uh, and Brighton was was your prediction when actually they were safe uh, with
0: a reasonable amount of time left on the clock. How much did they surprise you in the way that they? Uh, started the season, and, uh, and we're never really in any bother. No, they really surprised me. I, I thought that Potter was, whilst an interesting choice, I thought they'd lost a couple of key players, knock out one of them, he'd gone down to the championship. <coughs> to be fair, we made those predictions before they'd signed Neil Morpie. So I <coughs> know... Webster. Webster as well. Web, Webster know. as well. So they did make a couple of decent signings after that. They then kept hold of Lewis Dunk, who was tipped to go to Leicester to replace Maguire. Uh, But that didn't happen. I mean, would I have re-evaluated there? I probably still would have had them down in the relegation zone. So they did kind of prove me wrong on that score. But I think they proved a lot of people wrong as well, because I think they were tipped to go down by a lot of people. And I was very surprised. I mean... We when we were looking at our preview for the return of football post lockdown, both you and I were looking at their fixtures and thinking that even though they're a few points like a couple of points ahead, they could easily get dragged down. And then they got results against Leicester, against Arsenal, and it just survival looked like a formality for them in the end. So they were still like in the scrap until the last maybe five games. But yeah, they certainly weren't cut adrift at the bottom. Callum, your bottom three, however, wasn't exactly. wasn't exactly spot on. In fact, you had one side finishing bottom because um, they had a really bad run of fixtures. Let's uh, let's listen to that one.
1: Newcastle finishing rock bottom. So I've got Sheffield United 18th, Brighton 19th, Newcastle uh, 20th. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, that was. Zero for three in in terms of the relegation places. Well, starting with Newcastle. I mean, at, back in back in August, they were a complete mess. They'd only just got in Steve Bruce. Nobody wanted him. They'd spent forty million pounds on Joe Linton, which, by the way, we did predict would be a complete flop and couldn't have been proved more wrong in the first season. But it, it was more it was more to do with the. Uh, the animosity shown towards the owner by the fans, the disdain towards the appointment of, of Steve Bruce, but actually Steve Bruce, I think, um, not only proved us wrong, but but most people, because I think a lot of people thought that would just be a, a cauldron of sort of negativity, but he managed to get some some really decent results. I remember them early in the season going away to Tottenham and getting a one-nil win in Joe Linton's maybe only goal for about six months. But yeah, I think I think Newcastle were. Actually, well above their station. Steve Bruce did a fantastic job, and I think he's turned around not just our opinion, but of of how Newcastle do, but Newcastle's opinion of their uh, of their manager. And he's he's really found a way up there to uh, to get results. And fair play to me, he is he has had a fantastic season. I think Newcastle fans, definitely the majority of them, would have accepted him by now. Albeit, they're all hoping to get Pochettino in, and along with the likes of Killian and Batpay and everyone else. Brighton, again, like you said, Brighton, I, I, I thought they'd be in the fight. I didn't think they, they'd be far adrift, but I thought they'd be in the fight because of their poor squad. Um, and then they went and spent about £15-20 on the likes of Malpai, and then the same sort of figure on Webster. And all of a sudden, their squad did look a bit, bit better. Sheffield United, I believe my words were that it was the quality and I wanted to try and find a place for Sheffield United because I could see what their strengths were. But just going through their team, the quality that they had wasn't there. But they were organised, they were hard to play against and they had a real different philosophy in how they play football and they bring in players that fit that, that philosophy in those roles. However, the signings they were bringing in on paper just didn't look Good enough. I thought they wouldn't get goals. I mean, they didn't really. Yeah, you know, Magaldrat, McBurney, Not a lot up front, but defensively they were fantastic, and uh, and I think they were everyone's surprise package.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be a bit unfair to call the Sheffield us predicting Sheffield United to finish in and around the relegation zone as a a, a, a prediction clock up as it were. I think almost every single pundit would have had them certainly in the bottom four, five, bottom five at a push. Um, I
1: think a lot of people had them as, as the team that would finish rock bottom yeah. um, immediately. You know, I saw so much on Twitter saying, well, Sheffield United will finish bottom. Um, who else are going to go down with them? And I did see what they could, not in a million years I think they'd be as comfortable as they were and, and threatening them Champions League and European football for such a long time. But I could see that they wouldn't go out with a whimper because they had that bit of Sheffield steel about them and they had a... Uh, a way of playing that meant that you wouldn't be able to turn them over uh, but what Wilder did there was fantastic and and I don't think they'll be in trouble next season I do think they could be a team like, like Burnley have been and Stoke previously where they can they maybe don't have those kind of flair players but they all know what they're doing and they work hard so fair play to them and in the end we'll, we'll mention them because the team that did get cut adrift was Norwich and neither of us had them to go down. How surprised were you by just how poor they were after, after actually what was a good start? I mean, you said that you thought they'd surprise.
0: You, you thought they'd get some scalps early on and surprise early on, which they did. Um, that just didn't last. Yeah. I think it's the um, it's a case with quite a few promoted signs is that you can, you start on the high, you get a few scalps and maybe beat one of the big teams. And then For Norwich, it was a case of they got the points against those sides, but then they just really struggled to pick up points at all, really, in the games that they needed to win against sides in and around the bottom. And when you're losing to sides in and around the bottom and around your position, then not only are you not getting those points yourself, but the other teams are getting further and further away from you. And by the time it came to Project Restart, they had a hell of a job on their hands and they had a few decent fixtures at the time for them to maybe have one last go at pulling themselves out of their quagmire but they they lost all of them and they had a style of play where you think they could get something against some of these teams and certainly some of the bigger teams but when it came to the crucial matches against the sides around them they just didn't deliver they were pretty poor and, and I think they be raided uh, some of their forward players brought into
2: the Premier League by other clubs. So it'll be difficult for Norwich to um, to return at the first time I ask it.
0: Yeah, well, although I've kept an eye on some of their transfer activity and it looks fairly decent at the moment. i back them to certainly be in the top six for for next season. Uh, let, let's concentrate back on, uh, on last season, what we got wrong now. We've been bashing each other for the ones that we've got wrong. Uh, some of them we have got right I think both you and I predicted Leicester to have a fairly decent season and they did in fact I think both you and I predict them to finish in the top six and they did so you know pound the back for us there that was you know it's not it's difficult to predict which of the lesser sides are going to possibly trouble the top four and Leicester they did trouble the top four for them pretty much the vast majority of the season, but fell at the last hurdle.
2: Yeah, I think actually they eclipsed even what
1: we expected them to do. I mean, they were, up until Project Restart, they were comfortably in the top three with Liverpool and Man City. They weren't even just, you know, maybe challenging to qualify for Europe. Champions League, we didn't think they'd do. So that was a bit audacious. But not only that, they were comfortably in the top three. And actually, they just cocked it up um, they bottled it completely. The, with with every um, silver lining, though, comes a cloud. And as as we thought Leicester were going to finish in the top six, we both agreed that it would be at the expense of transfer band Chelsea, who had Frank Lampard making his uh, only his second managerial season, his first in the Premier League. They lost Hazard. They didn't have any money to bring anyone in. Oh, sorry, they did have the money, but they weren't allowed to use it. Um, we're seeing that they've got the money now. But we, we thought they would finish outside the top six. That wasn't the case. Frank Lampard did a fantastic job. The young players did really well.
0: But who was it that didn't finish in the top six? Tom, that uh, at, at the expense of, of Leicester, that you were pretty convinced would um, would do well. And I think I think you had them finishing certainly in the top four. I think Arsenal. We'll get going this season, and I think we'll really see what Unai Emery is all about this season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I say this is the season that we'll see the Unai what Unai Emery is all about at Arsenal.
2: So well, i sure gonna... what it's all about, at Arsenal. It just um, I mean that wasn't wrong. <laughs> the implication was that they would do well. I will give you this: there were a lot of changes in the season, and uh, you know when we made these predictions. Emery and Pochettino are in North London, and that seems like a bloody long time ago now. Who would have thought that Arteta and Mourinho would be the two that would end up there? And
0: I do think, actually, that Arsenal did start to get going by hook or by crook by the end of the season, and they won the FA Cup. But, yeah, you were pretty convinced by their attacking flair that that would see them finish in the top four above the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United and, and and. was it Spurs? Was he third. You had to finish third. Yeah, I don't know what I was um don't know what I was thinking. Right, at the time they signed Pepe and we thought that he was gonna light up the league, and he didn't. He was actually pretty atrocious. And then David we thought maybe David Louise was gonna turn it around and be a decent centre back for them. And <laughs> we that, that, that wasn't great. Um, Callum. Let's talk, talking of the North London rivals, you were actually uh, pretty positive about how Spurs' season was going to go. Let, let, let's just have a little listen to that one, shall we?
1: So, I, I think Spurs will finish third. I think the top three, really, in my opinion, are, are quite straightforward. I think Spurs aren't as good as the top two, but I think they're a lot better than, than the next three if, uh, of the big six, as you would
0: Callum, Spurs to finish third, and they're not quite as good as the top two, but they're definitely better than the rest of the top six.
2: Yeah. Um
1: whole Pochettino thing didn't help my case there. I mean, they finished above Arsenal again, but I think, didn't they? They finished the season last season in third. They got to a Champions League final. Pochettino was the you know, the best manager, not to win anything. And the players they were bringing in, like Ndumbelé, seemed to be really strong. Um, you know, spending some money on players. So. Yeah, it all seemed set for their new stadium, and then the season started, and none of that happened. Pochettino didn't seem to have his heart in it anymore. He he ended up leaving. They brought in Mourinho, and uh, and it was really a season of turmoil. I'm quite looking forward to watching it on Amazon Prime actually when it comes out. But yeah, North London wasn't exactly the hub of uh, all things good about English football, was it? The last season, let's 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 have a good laugh at our predictions about one particular club and a couple of transfers that they've brought in. This is the last time I make a positive prediction about West Ham United. I've got West Ham finishing eighth, but I can see them finishing higher. I can see them maybe doing what we're predicting Leicester to do. Eighth, I've gone for West Ham. They've made some fantastic signings, Fornals
0: and Haller especially.
2: Yeah, um, um, yeah,
0: I think that's my cue to leave. Um, I got something in the oven, you know. Um, dinner's got it, quite... yeah, 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 bye. West,
2: West Ham, All Nails and Haller, minimum eight. Let's mm. let's. Let's try and dig our way out of this a little bit. I'll take Haller. Spent £40 million on him. They've needed a big number nine forever. He was so good
1: in the, in the Europa League and got, got to the semi-finals. He scored so many goals. The start of the season was Pellegrini at the helm. He was a Premier League winner and a bit of, bit of a big fish at that level. Bringing in the likes of Fournals as well. And then fast forward, and they're finishing with David Moyes at the ham again, with Mikael Antonio as their only source of goals. Discuss.
2: (laughs) They
0: may as well have just, you know, got Carlton Cole out of retirement, just wheeled him onto the pitch, put him up front, and just hoped for the best. They are. You look at their squad and you think they must be to they they've got to do so much better, but it's just not the case. And then Fornals, creative playmaker from Spain, Rooney signed. People are like, oh wow, West Ham have you know this is finally the season they're going to get going. They're going to challenge for European football again. And then it turns out that Fabianski pretty much kept them in the league with his saves. It didn't help that that Roberto in goal was. I mean, he
1: probably would have. They, they spent some money on the back as well, didn't they? They got, the, I mean, they got Diop in and oh boy, you know and we thought they, yeah, you know, they'd be good. Royce was improving. There's Felipe Anderson, who still hasn't done anything. I mean, I don't know what it is with with the recruitment, but on paper it sounds like it's so good, and then they get to they get to East London, and um, and they seem to make good players shit overnight. So uh, yeah, next season. I'm not going to be putting West Ham up in the top ten. Um, them in Everton, I'm sick and tired of thinking this will be the season they'll push on. But I'll, what I will say is, uh, I'll end it on a positive note for us. We know what we're talking about when it comes to Saints because we both had them in eleventh, and uh, and they finished twelfth. Maybe not in the way that we thought they would. Being right in the relegation zone and then turn it around. Uh, but we, yeah, we we thought they'd finish about there, and they did. You also thought they'd get a couple of scalps, the likes of Chelsea and Man United, which they did. Um, and I also said, oh, I'd shake your hand if your um, top scorer prediction came in, which you said was left field. I mean, it was a sixth favourite, but... Most people would have gone for Kane like I did, but he got injured. Or Bamiang, or Salah, or Mane, and you went with uh, Jamie Vardy on the basis that Leicester would do well. Twenty to one shot, sixth favourite, and uh, and he just about crawled over the line. I mean, if you'd called Danny Ings, uh, uh, you know, that would have been mystic Meg kind of stuff. But um, you 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 came up trumps. On uh, on Saints, but also on the top goal scorer. So um, when this is all over and we can be in the same place at the same time, I'll uh, I'll give you the handshake.
0: Fantastic! I can't wait. Maybe maybe may, maybe a uh, maybe a point will probably be a a, a good one to go for.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just fist
1: bump because the handshakes Oh
0: the yeah, handshake, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. For, uh, what the elbow tap or whatever it is.
1: Yes. Yeah. High press.
0: High press. Dr. Barry Gale. On, can... oh. well, so that's, um, that's enough about that's enough about last season. Let's screw up the, the, predict, the old predictions. We'll come up with
1: better and newer predictions, which we can once again laugh at in years time. Neither of us predicted that there would be a global pandemic and that the season would go on into uh, July. But we'll try our best to predict uh, the return. Of football fans into stadia and uh, and and other positive things. England coming through to uh, to the Euros and, and winning that. But we're going to do a little bit of uh, uh, talk looking ahead to next season because it's only in a couple of weeks' time and uh, and a couple of transfers being made and you start, you're starting to see all the transfers go on into October now, don't know, It's really weird, but
0: we'll be kicking off on. The weekend of the twelfth of September, and uh, and we're really really looking forward to it. I'm really excited. You know, it's just over two weeks away now. As a Saints fan, I think Saints have got a good start to their fixtures. Palace, uh, a, a good place, a good place for for Saints after three wins in a row. But this is more about the uh, about the Premier League. It's uh, it's going to be. It's a really good feeling, especially after uh, after the Champions League final that we can finally. Say goodbye to the nineteen twenty season, longest season, and now we can start looking forward to to the new one. Got lots of new kits to have a look through. Uh, some new players coming to the league. A lot of speculation. Some clubs bringing in some world class talent. Nothing confirmed yet, but um, it's uh, it's gearing up for quite a good season. And uh, we'll do a we'll do a, a Kings on Corner and we'll have a preview of Saints completely, but. I'm feeling positive about them for, for next season. Cam, you've you spoken about transfers. Yeah, we're two weeks away from the start of the season. We thought it'd be a bit weird um, having had COVID and certainly quarantine and uh, maybe that would reduce travel. What would that do to the transfer market in terms of player valuations as well? But of of transfers that have been confirmed so far, so we're going to discount all speculation at the moment. Of transfers that have actually gone through, are there any that have caught your eye? And you think that's a really good signing or maybe a transfer out of a club where you thought, oh, wow, uh, they've lost him. I think they're going to struggle.
1: Um, well, the first one that comes to mind uh, is a bit of both, really. I don't think the team losing him will struggle as such, but it seems an absolute coup um, as a transfer within the Premier League. And this is William leaving on a free to go from Chelsea to Arsenal I think um, it's the sort of sign-in that Arsenal should be making you, you mentioned Pepe and how he was uh,
0: unpredictable and, and didn't really do anything in his first season in the Premier League well we know what Willian can do he's experienced in this league and I think he'll compliment the likes of Aubameyang um, certainly and I, I, I would back him to get going from the off, really, because we've seen what he can do at Chelsea. I actually disagree, if I'm being completely honest with you. I think what well, he's thirty I think, you know, Arsenal fans may act that it's a bit of a coup, but I think, you know, what, 31, 32 years old, I don't think, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's one to get massively excited about, because I think, uh, I think he's similar to some of Arsenal's attacking players, if I'm being completely honest with you. I'm Obviously, he's a good player. I just don't get the same vibe as, oh, wow, what, what a signing. I mean, for a free transfer, yeah, it, it, it it's it's great value for money. But I, I, I guess I just am not as enthusiastic about it myself. I think if I was to pick out a different signing, one that would um, re- be really excited about, I think it was ma- actually made before the uh, transfer window opened it se- itself but that was Chelsea bringing in Timo Werner he's a really exciting player that I'm really looking forward to seeing in the Premier League I hope actually that we're allowed back into the stadium and able to do our audio description for Alan March Sport for the time that Saints play Chelsea at St Mary's because he's a player that I've never seen live in person he's one that I think his movement off the ball his raw pace is is brilliant and he is such a lethal finisher. I mean, we're not going to talk about speculation, but, you know, Zajac, Werner confirmed so far. Chelsea's attack looks pretty scary. Yeah, Werner was, uh, was next on my list. Um, yeah, Zajac looks a good, a good player as well. But again, playing Ajax, but he's had a good, he had a good season <sighs> yet to be seen. Werner is
1: exciting and mainly exciting because the players got around them as well, and Chelsea look to be um, a team that will be exciting going forward, especially if they get the transfers that they're speculated strongly to get. I just wonder if Timo Werner, I mean, he he is going to be the main man there. He's going to take over from Giroud. Abraham, I'd expect to be um, playing second fiddle to him. So he's going to be the main man for all that supply line for around the pitch. I just wonder with Chelsea, that sort of striker has never really worked. You know, you think about when Torres went there, the guy sort of runs in behind. Um, it's Stafford pitch always seems, it always seems smaller to me than, than the likes of the Emirates and, and Old Trafford and Anfield. And yeah, that might just be because of the stadium. I don't know, but there, there doesn't really seem to be that space for teams for players to run in behind. And, and Torres went there. A much better player than Werner is now did nothing. The players that seem to do well are the ones the droppers and the costas, the big target men. who have got a bit about them. Um, so it will be interesting to see. He is a finisher. He is young and he is a big name. You know, he's, he's, he's Germany's main forward. So to have him come over from Leipzig, um, in really his first big club. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with, with the pressure because everyone's expecting him to get off to a to a fine start. I would mention, just, I mean, there haven't been many signings because we're early in the transfer window. We'll talk about Saints and the likes of Walker-Peters and Salasu, who I think are good additions. Two players I would just mention. Um, the first one is a alone that's been made permanent is uh, Matias Pereira at West Brom. Probably their best player last season. He was one of the best players in the league. He's uh, he's a good attacking midfielder, and West Brom will need him to uh, to hit the ground running and be a real player in the season um, in the Premier League next season. Because I don't think he's um, got much around him at the moment. And the other one uh, which interests me is Adam Milana to Brighton. thought it was an odd move. I, I didn't think Brighton would be the club he would go to. I thought he'd, he'd have a few choices. But on
0: a free transfer, uh, they've got a Premier League winner slash bench warmer. Um, and and I think he's a player that could, um, could really improve that Brighton team in terms of the creativity. Other than that, I don't think there's been an awful lot of movement in the Premier League. What about um the likes of Mbappe and Immobile to Newcastle? Huge transfers.
1: No, no, I don't think those two haven't shown me any reason why they, what they'd, uh, they do anything in the Premier League. I think they'll score goals. Don't think they'll um, set St James's a lot. A really. To be honest, how are they going to get in ahead of uh, ahead of Joe Linton and Gale? I don't. I think it's
0: money wasted if if, us, if, if Newcastle go down that route. However, looking at a, uh, looking at the other side, they do have a playmaker in Jeff Hendrick who will be supplying their three balls. You know, Newcastle title winners.
2: Yeah,
1: Newcastle so far, Inns, Mark Gillespie from Motherwell and Jeff Hendrick from Burnley. Money spent, zero pounds. So the Saudi Arabian money really going to good use there. But yeah, I mean, people will talk, you know, in terms of big moves, people will talk about like, Hoybier, we can discuss that in the uh, in the Saints, Kings and Corner version. But really other than that, scrolling through and I'm I'm not seeing any big names, big transfers. And I think those will probably come late. Yeah, the likes of um Sancho doesn't look like it's gonna happen
2: now. Some money spent by Man City, they got Torres, they got Nathan Aki, but
1: again, I don't think Nathan Aki at forty one million is a is a massive top four signing. So, um, yeah, maybe in maybe in a couple of months' time, we'll have a bit more to talk about on on that front. Let's briefly then talk about next season. Who do you think we should be looking out for that maybe we're not? Not players, teams. You know, maybe we're, everyone's thinking a team is going to uh, get relegated and not going to offer anything, and you, you actually think they might
2: stay up and they might surprise, maybe do what Sheffield United did. Uh, are there any are any teams in that area or any in the middle of the pack that you think are, are going to challenge towards the, uh, the the top six? Uh, well,
0: with uh, with my Saints glasses on, we'll talk about more in Kings Corner. I think Southampton can trouble the top the top eight this season. Um, purely if they can keep the form going, can keep Danny Ings firing, there's no question as to how high they can finish up the table. Um, but we'll talk about that more in Kings Corner. If I was going to go for a non-Saints team. the field, I think Brighton's recruitment has been really good. And whilst I don't think they're going to necessarily challenge for the top half of the table, I think that I'm not, I don't think that they'll be in relegation trouble. And one one of the signings that they've made is uh, Joel Veltman from Ajax for just one million pounds. And to get that kind of experience and that kind of quality at centre back position. Is for for one million for one, one million pounds is fantastic business. They've also signed Lewis Duncan, on a new five-year contract. I think you know Potter's had his had his season where he can he's done pretty well with the players that he had. They've done some good recruitment. Adam Lalana playing consistently, even at you know 32 years old. I think he can still offer something and be a creative influence. I think Brighton um, will be comfortable this year. That's my team to uh, to uh, sort of overachieve as it were you on a placement because we'll, we'll do that when we come to our 1-20 um, to 20 in the Premier League predictions is there any team that you think will uh, finish a lot higher than other people may predict
1: maybe maybe not higher as such but I, I am really interested to see what Chelsea do if they if they do get the players in that they're uh, that they're supposedly getting in I mean it sounds like there's a medical for, for Thiago Silva being done which um could be the experience that they need at the back. If if, if they do get Chilwell and Havertz as well, then suddenly they've, they've, they've got a real squad um, that, that they can go from looking at top four to, to looking above them at City and Liverpool and trying to push them. I don't think they'll do it immediately. There's a lot of youth there. But I think that could be a really exciting side from the kind of, not lesser sides, but... I do see Leeds staying up with a bit of comfort. Um, I think Bielsa is a quality manager, and I think they're. Um,
0: I think they're looking to to spend some money and bring in some decent players from abroad. So uh, I'd, I'd say Leeds, I think, will um, will push towards mid table potentially. I actually want to play devil's advocate to that one because I'm really torn on Leeds at the moment, and um, we'll we'll go into how well we think the bo- the uh, the new sides are. Uh, are going to do. I think on one hand, I think Leeds could actually finish quite comfortably, maybe lower mid table, uh, not really be relegation threatened at any point in the season. But on the other hand, they have yet to make. They've yet to make a signing um, that you think is going to walk into their first team. The way that Bielsa wants his player, he, he rarely. If they don't make a signing this week, Bielsa usually wants two or three weeks before he introduces a signing into the first team um, just to get used to the style that he wants to play they currently having not signed ben white only have one senior center back and at the at the moment for the start of the season especially you think that they're going to you, you could name their starting 11 in terms of it's going to be the same as maybe the last day of the championship it's whether they have that quality to immediately make the step up with their style of playing Bielsa as manager. I think they do, but I'm just really torn as to how high up the table. I think I, I think they can, they, they definitely can finish sort of lower mid table area, but I just feel that the first weeks of the season, they're going to be crucial because if they take a while to bed in their new signings, obviously there's no guarantee that signings are going to work. They did have some poor results last season where they got caught out and um, they do struggle against teams that will part the bus and maybe put eight players in the box, which, you know, some teams in and around them down the bottom of the table will look to do. So I, I'm torn. I, I have them really, you know, surviving comfortably or actually being in a relegation dogfight. Yeah,
1: I think there's plenty of time to bring in players. I mean, the other one, yeah, know, Banford's are only real striker, so I think they're definitely looking to spend some money and get someone in up front. Um, Defensively, yeah, centre back. They also need to uh, to recruit, as you said, with uh, with Ben White going back to parent club Brighton. But I just think their midfield and um, and at fullback, I think, is where they they've got some quality, and I think that's um that's what will keep them up. I mean, Phillips, who's who's already been called up to the England squad, he was the best player in the Championship last year. They've renewed the loan for Harrison. They've got Hernandez, who's Premier League quality. Uh, a click, just just to name a few. So I, I think there they'll be good. And also when you saw them play against Arsenal, when I believe it was the FA Cup, and they absolutely uh, just controlled at least the first half against them. They looked a real team. I do think they've got the quality, and they and they did they ran away with the league last season. I know I know not not immediately, and and maybe a few games from the end is when they clinched it.
0: But they were by far away the best team. So uh, yeah, less about leads. We'll get onto them in more detail when we do the, uh, the the main podcast when we predict it. But I think they'll. Do you think they'll do better than the other two that were promoted? Yes, uh, I think they'll be head and shoulders above them. If I'm being completely honest, uh, West Brom very inconsistent last season. Although they did finish in the automatic positions, um, they don't apart, apart from Pereira, they don't really have a player that you know, stands out as Premier League quality, apart from, you know, the best finisher at their club and at Southampton, Charlie Austin up front. He West, West Brom, I think, will finish in the bottom three. I think they'll go down. Fulham, we talked about it. Again, inconsistent in the championship.
2: I, guess it, I think it, it, Fulham, it's difficult, really, because I think most people will think West Brom, now they'll go down. I don't know if that's just been... Um, a bit lazy in predicting because West Brom come up and they go down Yeah, they're the boing boing baggies for reasons because they're a yo-yo club much like Norwich
1: and I think it's easy to think yeah they just about finished second everyone bottled it and, and the only reason they finished second is because of Brentford they haven't really got much about them but they do have Slavin Bilic who has experience and know-how and he has that over Scott Parker at Fulham Fulham really intrigued me though because Fulham were diabolical defensively last time and everything you hear since the playoff final is that they're more organised, they're sturdy at the back and um, as a team, they're not going to ship those sorts of goals. And if they don't, then with the looks of Mitrovic up front and knock and, and Cabano and I don't know if they'll get Onoma back in, had a couple of uh, players up up front and in the midfield, and I think yeah they've got the makings. If they don't leak so many goals, to to maybe do something. But it's all talk at the moment, you know. They, they could good defensively in the championship is one thing. Being able to do it in the Premier League and not lose by three or four first game of the season against Arsenal, you know, it will, it will be interesting. But i got a they're my kind of Sheffield United team. This season where you think have they got the quality no but there's just something about them that i think they, they might be able to stay up um and yeah yeah it's, it's interesting but i just the problem is I don't
0: know if there are uh, three teams that are worse than fulham as we look at it right now are there any teams excluding the bot excluding the uh the new ones up from the championship that you think are going to really struggle and could well be going through the trap door
1: Crystal Palace is one that you feel will be down there. I just Crystal Palace always find a way with Roy Hodgson and despite the fact that they never seem to have the squad they're just organised enough not to lose so many games looking through the teams now and you know what no one really stands out I think Aston Villa will struggle again They they haven't signed anyone yet and they need to. So, but I think Aston Villa, second season, I don't know if they'll be able to improve on last season. Um, I also am not sure, yeah, I'm not sure about Crystal Palace, but I, th- I think West West Brom will be down there. Fulham will be in amongst it. And you know what? I just, I wonder if West Ham might get sucked into it as well. You look around the rest of the, the rest of the, the division and it's
2: tough to make a case for anyone else to have that poor season really you know I can't see the likes of, of Burnley Southampton Everton Newcastle Sheffield United I can't see those sides getting pulled into it but, but West Ham you know they'll be challenging the top four minimum bottom four minimum ah uh,
0: I misheard I <laughs> misheard no I, I I think have you have you seen West Ham's first um first like eight fixtures as well yeah not great are they they are. I mean, they say it happens to them every year, but they are. They are shocking. They are really, really not good. I think. Um, I don't think Leicester is going to do as well. Actually, I think Leicester. Uh, will finish. I think. I think that Leicester may be looking at like a ninth or tenth place finish. If I'm being complete, completely honest, I think that unless they they've completely lost any momentum that they had. Yeah, they've got and they've got Europa League to contend with as well. The reason they got to third was because they managed to build that huge really good run of form. And as you said, they bottled it. So unless they can start the season well, get going quickly, then I think, you know, it might be a mid-table finish for them. Let's wait and see what any signings that they make. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is a good manager, but they did. I mean, they had a shocking end to the season. Um, and really, Champions League football was there on a plate for them. And uh, and they threw it away.
2: Yeah, well, well that's uh, that's enough
1: of a preview for... Our preview for the Premier League season, uh, which we will be bringing to you pretty much on the eve of the Premier League. I, I would say. I mean, last season it was uh, it was right right it was right at the at the point where the season started, and we only had a couple of weeks left of the transfer window. This season is going to be a bit different because there's going to be a good month or so um, afterwards where you can bring in players. So we'll. We'll come up with uh, our one to twenty, which was um, a popular episode this time last year, and uh, and we'll do a bit of a digging and a bit of research into where we think every single team in the Premier League is going to finish. Um, and we'll also do uh, before that, we'll do our um, our take on one player that every Premier League side should sign uh, in. In their uh, in their team before the season kicks off, we did that last
2: season, and uh, and again that, that was a, that was a fun episode to do. So we'll each will each come up
1: with uh, a player that we think would would improve and realistically be
0: a signing that uh, that each Premier League side can make. So- yeah, yep. we'll be doing that. So if you have any suggestions of who should sign. Uh, who should sign who, then you know, get in in touch with us. We'll also be bringing you a Kingston Corner dedicated to Saints. That'll be our Saints season preview and that will come probably around the time of the Premier League season preview. We'll get them together um, for you to have a listen to. Uh, If you want to send any of your suggestions to us, then you can find us on Twitter at under underscore Saints. You can find me, Tom Murray, at T214Murray.
2: You can find me at Wilson 21
0: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Under the Lights, and we're looking forward to the new season.